This is Talking Points from Lessig and Camper Communications. One of the things about what we do, the population we serve, um, is that while you know there are millions of kids every year who are impacted by a parent's cancer, um, they might not know anybody else at their school who's going through the same thing. So for us, from a recruitment perspective, we're really grinding, we're knocking on doors, we're building relationships, we're talking to hospitals, faith-based organizations, and pulling in kids to one central location from all different schools all over the place. Virtual just unlocks that. It really has allowed us to go from, um, and we've got really great attendance in Chicago. We're serving about 100 kids. Virtual, we can kind of snap our fingers and you know, there we're able to provide support to kids in rural communities, you know, kids who might be farther away from one of the big hospitals, um, kids who, you know, their neighborhood doesn't have some sort of cancer support nonprofit available to it. This is Mark Rickwell with Lessig and Camper Communications. We often joke at Lessig and Camper how our client worlds collide, which occurs when the work we do with one group intersects with the work we provide for another. The collision for me happened recently when I was speaking with Caitlin Finan, an honors and AP government teacher at Ohio Connections Academy. Ohio Connections Academy is a statewide online public charter school with approximately 5,000 students across the state, and we've been providing public relations support for the school for a number of years. Caitlin was telling me about her volunteer work for the Pickles Group, a national cancer support organization that works to provide peer-to-peer -peer support and other services to children and teens with a parent or caregiver who is battling cancer. Caitlin is currently putting her expertise as a teacher in the virtual classroom to work in translating the Pickles Group program from a to a digital environment. I then had the opportunity to meet with, meet with and speak to uh, Cassie Horton, the executive director of the Pickles Group. I mentioned how I serve on the board of families for a cure, which raises money to help cancer support organizations in central Ohio. I learned later that a few years ago, Families for a Cure provided the Pickles Group founders, Aaron and Ned Smith, an experience grant to help send them on a family vacation. Ned at the time was fighting his own battle with cancer, and that's where my two worlds collided. The initial purpose for my meeting with both Caitlin and Cassie was to discuss how the Pickles Group received a National Connections CARES grant from the Connections Academy schools and what this support means to the organization. The more we spoke, the more I was interested in the organization and the important work that it does and the inspiration that Caitlin experienced to make a difference. I've invited both Cassie and Caitlin to join me today on our podcast to talk about the Pickles Group and the work they are doing to connect with children remotely. The virtual program was launched last September and will soon be starting its third cohort of kids this spring. So far, the virtual program is reaching and serving kids in 16 different states in four different time zones. Let's start first with Cassie. Uh, tell me about the Pickles Group, the inspiration behind it and the mission. And, uh, you know, when did it start? Give me a little of the background. Sure. Um, thank you so much for having us here today, Mark. So um, Pickles Group, we are a national 501c3 nonprofit organization, and our mission is to provide free peer-to-peer -peer support and resources to the kids of adult cancer patients. Um, one of the things I love about the organization is that we're really founded out of the lived experience of families and founded by families. So um, about three, four years ago, um, there were 
three parents um, in the same neighborhood, um, all kind of in the Chicago area. Um, but one of our founding families um, actually hailed from the Columbus, Ohio area. And um, just kind of in succession, uh, one parent, the parent down the street, a parent who is a colleague, all faced these really challenging diagnoses. Um, two dads were diagnosed with brain cancer within a three-month period, and a mom um, of our kind of founding group was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer around the same time. And so these folks got together, the Smith family, the Lovacheks, and the Agnew family. And once they start just started comparing notes and talking about how things were going with treatment, you know, kind of how they were navigating this big change in their world, what they really honed in on is that um, a huge gap was what to do about their kids. How are they going to support their kids? Their kids were having a hard time. In fact, um, one of our founding kids um, who was in our pilot program, um, Molly Agnew, she went to her, her dad during his third round of chemo and said to him, I feel really lonely. Like none of my friends at school get what this is like. They don't get what it's like to have a dad who's facing this diagnosis. Um, I actually want to be around other kids who get what I'm going through. So those conversations sparked what was the pilot for our organization. This founding group of families started working with um, a, a woman who is now our chief clinical program officer. Her name's Kelsey Mora. Um, Kelsey has a really extensive background in supporting um, kids and families through illness and grief. She came out of the hospital system um, both as a counselor and therapist and also as a child life specialist. And Kelsey started running these um, groups, essentially a support group to support this group of kids. And it was totally transformational for them to be with other kids who really got their lived experience, to be able to talk about what they were going through. Um, even to be able to learn a little bit about cancer and demystify what, you know, was going on at home. And so um, once these families saw just how supportive this was and healing this was for their own children, um, two of them actually were business school professors and got to thinking like, we couldn't find this. If we couldn't find this and if it's working, then what can we do to make this same type of support available to other families? And that kind of got the got the wheels turning um, to start this nonprofit. So um, we've been around for about a year and a half now. Um, we've served over 170 kids across the country. And um, while our pilot program was this in-person program, and um, we saw a lot of success in that, it was also very clear immediately to us that we needed to have a virtual option, um, in part because a lot of our parents, as they're going through treatment, are immunocompromised. Families are trying to be very particular about their exposure to anything, a cold or whatever it is. Um, also, parents are tired. They're just going through so much as they're facing treatment. And then lastly, um, all of these barriers, you know, driving down the street, that's, that's a lot more of a burden to carry to drop your kids off for a program as you're navigating a cancer diagnosis. So it was really clear that we needed to have a virtual option to make this program as accessible as possible. Um, and that's kind of, uh, you know, how we, we got thinking about what was next for Pickles Group when we started to see that from an access perspective, we needed to be doing a little bit more. Yeah, I see perfect. Uh... Perfect segue into the into my next question is Caitlin. Um, you're an on, online teacher, uh, but you were inspired to work with this group. Talk about that. Um, what what got you involved, and 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 talk about your move to help make the translation of the program that Cassie was talking about into a virtual one. 
Absolutely. So again, thank you so much for having us. This is so amazing to get to be on and we so appreciate you. And you and I have the connector that links us and begins my story. So I actually am a family member of the Smith family. Ned and I both married into a family and we were both outlaws together. And so we um, had that connector and Pickles actually launched when Ned entered hospice. The day, I believe it was the week he entered hospice, Pickles launched. And so after everything, the dust had settled, the memorial service that was absolutely amazing had settled. Um, I think I dashed off a note to Cassie, you know, this is amazing. I am so blown away by your program. Whatever it is that you need, let me know. I will do it. I am so thrilled to be able to do anything because for me, this was just as much about doing something in that immediacy right after Ned's passing, I wanted to do it for our cousins. I wanted to honor this incredible thing, this homework, if you will, because I'm a teacher that Ned left, but also how incredible, what an incredible, incredible legacy. And to honor what the Agnews and the Lovechecks are doing for these other, Lovachicks, excuse me, are doing for all of these other parents and how I want to be there for them too. And how, you know, it's the two birds with one stone. I get to do this. Um, I also had an experience with cancer myself as a really young person at 23. And I didn't have kids at the time. But every time I would, you know, pick up my pickles thinking hat, one of the things that I kept thinking about was my experience would have been very different if I would have had kids. I was guessing that my first Initial question was asking about prognosis. My second question would have been, oh my gosh, what about my kids? And if there's anything that I can do, I want to be able to provide that help and support to parents and kids. And it's an honor to get to be able to do that. So I think, you know, after we exchanged a few emails, I got the honor of starting to pair up with Kelsey Mora, who is just incredible and fantastic and so talented at what she does. And so we were going back and forth having these meetings and we were um, kind of learning each other's communication style, but also I would read what they would do in person. There's actually this awesome manual. And then I would come in and say, okay, so this translates really well. This we can do, but our options for delivery are going to be this, this, and this, or I'm having a really hard time maintaining the therapeutic intent that you want because this isn't translating as well. Let me brainstorm some different ways that we can go at this so I can give it to you and you can analyze that therapeutic intent, what's going to achieve that best for the kiddos. And that's kind of just, that was a long conversation over the summer that ended up with this first version. And each and every single time we have a cohort go through, we get parents um, contribute their input at the end of their surveys. Um, and then we also get the Pickles Kids comments, cont contributions to try to figure out how was this experience with you? And if it's something content specific, we really want to work on tweaking it to the best option. So it's a living document that gets changed and amended. And we really just want to make it the best we can. But that dialogue back and forth, that translation of those amazing in-person activities, you know, I got to use my experience when I have been a teacher for the past 10 years online, and then piggyback on 
these kids are probably just coming off of needing to learn to be online learners, perhaps for the first time, perhaps not. And then parents had to learn how to be online learning supporters. So it's this really delicate balance that we were in a prime spot to be able to do. And you guys are tremendous because you're you're answering my questions before I get to ask them. Um, Caitlin, that's what I was kind of wanting to get into is your experience in the virtual classroom. And, and I'm putting on our promotional hat for Ohio Connections Academy, as always. One of the things we talk often about is meeting the kids where they are academically, socially, mentally, wherever. And that's one of the powers of the, of the virtual classroom is being that individualized focus. So talk about that a little bit more as, as you, you get to see the child one-on-one, the parent and see their situation, get to know them and know what the child needs. So where does that help the, the, the children that you are serving? Everywhere. Um, it is one of my favorite things about online learning is it can knock down barriers so incredibly well. I want to really turn my attention to making sure that I'm seeing any barriers that might happen and then really trying hard to put the attempt in there to try to jump that barrier. I, you know, I've told Cassie, it feels like to me, I actually really enjoy thinking of myself as Sherlock Holmes. I need to identify these gaps to be able to build bridges over them or supports, build in supports. So with, whether it's an immunized immunocompromised parent, if it's a travel barrier, if it is a time barrier to be able to do the traveling or a distance barrier, as us virtual educators know, you know, you can be all around the state or now with pickles all around the country, which is just incredible. Um, One of the main focuses that I always go to is pedagogy. And I really think hard about okay, what are my educational goals? What are my social emotional goals? How can I incorporate these so that not only do we have a smooth transition in the content, I really, really focus in hard about how can we create a shared community? Because as we were speaking of previously, um, oftentimes with virtual, it's really hard to engage with a TV, you know, your computer screen, essentially. So there's this magic mix of being sort of like, I think of it as a Robin Williams. You have to do a little bit of entertaining while you're delivering your content, but also really keying into that we're building a community here. This is a real tangible thing to be able to feel when we get into this group. And our goal, our first goal that we uphold at all times is we really want to make this a safe space for you to come and to be. If we can get to the next levels, like learning, understanding, self-reflection, that's fantastic. But that safe space goal is incredible for us. But then you can't have one without the other. You have to have that safe space where it's okay to be vulnerable and to open up. So then you're able to do the rest of the work. So in my experience, um, having that, the facilitators have that little bit of spark that engages across a computer across the World Wide Web and trying to pull in and get attention, have that classroom community, so to speak, but also making sure that the different, the translation of the activity that we have done from an in-person to a virtual, that really has a connector in a real way for them. 
And my online teaching experience has really helped me to be able to facilitate, you know, figuring out, okay, so we're going to do this because this might be difficult, or I want to make sure this is done or like down even to the font. I want to be making sure I'm recognizing different barriers like dyslexia. I use dyslexia friendly fonts. I try as hard as I can to think of any barriers and try really hard to have supports for them, like non-linguistic representations. So this online teaching has been so incredibly amazing to me to learn all of these new schools that my generation of teachers didn't go to school to be virtual educators, but it prepared me really well for my role at Pickles. And then, and Cassie, it, you know, over the years, we've had a lot of conversations with, um, you know, and this is just speaking from the connection standpoint of, you know, onboarding new students and families and what that looks like. But, you know, talk about that, you know, when a, when a child comes to you and a family comes to you, I mean, obviously a very, very difficult time. Yeah. What does it look like when, when somebody first contacts you and, and gets involved in the program? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, there are lots of ways for families to get connected to us. Um, we offer a couple direct services and supports and resources, even if a, a family chooses not to enroll their child in the program. So for some folks, that's kind of their gateway into our organization. We do one thing um, every month we facilitate a how to talk to kids about cancer webinar. Um, so um, within our general approach to supporting families um, and supporting the kids of adults facing cancer, there's kind of three things we're focused on. One is helping families have those conversations. Like I just got this diagnosis. How do I even tell my kids about that? Um, so that's a free service and support for families. And for a lot of families, it's an easy way for them to understand what we do, you know, kind of um, feel us out, see if this is an organization they want to get connected to, um, but also take away some really practical tools that they can use immediately at home with their kids, kind of supporting their kids through this tough thing that sometimes can be hard to talk about. So um, we offer that. We also, um, we have a eight page booklet we call our uh, family cancer support kit. Um, it's got a lot of the same recommendations, but in hard copy that folks can have at home. Um, we've even got kind of a gl glossary of cancer terms um, and ways to talk about, to talk about those things um, in a developmentally appropriate way with kids. So how do I talk about chemotherapy, a port, I've got a surgery coming up. Um, so that's also kind of a touch point um, for families to get introduced to us. They can request those online. Um, so a lot of families come to us that way. They kind of show up to the webinar, request one of those support kits, or there's an interest form. Um, fa some families just enroll straight away. So our enrollment form is on our website. Um, we also get referrals. So folks will refer their friend, their family member to us. Once we get connected to a family, um, we really walk them through, we learn a little bit about them and we'll provide some good counsel, kind of what's going on, how far are you along in this diagnosis? Have you told your kids yet about your experience or not? Um, sometimes we're not the best organization to support a family for different reasons. Like maybe, maybe they're just not interested in what we offer, um, but we've got a really strong connection to the cancer support space. And so we can usually make a great referral. So we, we love to be kind of a resource navigation during those phone calls, that intake conversation. Um, but for a lot of our families, um, they're really looking for a space for their kids to connect with other kids who get what they're going through. And that's what we do. We create safe spaces, like Caitlin said, whether it's online or in person, um, where kids can learn a little bit about cancer, build relationships with friends who are going through the exact same thing they are, who just, you know, innately get them. 
Um, and then we also help kids kind of build coping skills along the way. So um, if families are interested in those programs, we kind of talk them through the program, get them signed up. Um, and then uh, one of the cool things about our virtual program, Caitlin and I just facilitated this last month and it was so fun. Um, for the first session, when we bring our new virtual kiddos in, we have the parents and the kids together on screen at the same time. Um, and we go around and we kind of play this really fun icebreaker game. And it's so cool to have kids from across the country. So we had kids, you know, telling us they're in Boston and it was wicked cold today. We had kiddos who had just gone surfing that morning, you know, kids in West Virginia who are out on the farm. Um, and just for kids to see that across the country, there's so many little people who are going through the same thing as them. That's really powerful too. Um, so we really try to build the strong sense of community from the get-go with our onboarding. Um, and uh, that's that's actually one of my favorite things is just everybody getting to connect um, from day one. That's that wonderful. Oh, go ahead. Anything to add there, Caitlin? That concept of four magical words, you are not alone, is incredibly powerful. Well, I, I thank you both. Um, Cassie or Caitlin, um, anyone that might be interested in pickles, getting more information, getting involved, getting engaged, what, you know, what would you uh, suggest that they do? Yeah, absolutely. So our website is www.pickles with an S group.org. Um, we're on social media, um, Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, and Twitter. That's a, that's a great way to just even get tips for your family. We share a lot of great information there. So I'd say check us out. We're always, um, one, really interested in connecting directly with families, but also, two, um, we take referrals. We'll follow up with folks. So just reach out. Um, we're also looking for volunteers. We're looking for volunteer facilitators. So we actually train folks. Um, to both work with our kid groups in person, but also online. Um, so we'd love to connect um, with folks. Um, you need to have a year of experience working with kids and we put you through a whole training. So if anybody's interested in that, um, we're always happy to have you. And there's information about signing up to volunteer on the website. Great. Thank you both for coming on and talking with me a little bit about Pickles Group and, and Caitlin. Uh, good luck to the end of the school year to you. Thank um, you. We're in the home stretch now. <laughs> and then the countdown begins. I know. Well, thank you both. Good luck going forward. And uh, thank you for coming on today. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for listening to Talking Points. You can download previous podcast episodes by visiting lessitcamper.com slash talking points or searching directories such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google.